God's Little Brown Church Sermon Series featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler. Today is 27th, November 27th, Thanksgiving weekend. Starting to get a little hazy outside. It's supposed to rain later today, nice and warm. It's supposed to warm up to 45 today. Praise God. Good weather. Beats rain and snow. Though the rain's coming later and the snow will come when it gets cold. Praise God. I want to talk this morning about refined faith. We talk about the refining process and how silver and gold are refined, that they are the ore is crushed and then put in a crucible and turned up the heat and the, the uh, impurities come up. The impurities are scraped off and when the impurities stop coming up, if it's still not clear, if it's still not pure, that the heat and the pressure get turned up some more. And we get some more heat and some more pressure and more impurities come up and keep coming up until that point that the refiner can see his reflection in the molten liquid. And Scripture refers to our faith having been refined in such a way. And I got to thinking, you know, Jesus said, if you have faith as of a grain of mustard seed, you could say to yonder mountain, be moved and cast into the sea and it will happen. And we talk about wanting that, that faith to move mountains. But you know, in order to have faith to move mountains, you have to face mountains. You know, uh, uh, we want faith to, to face the giants and come out victorious. That means we have to face the giants and recognize that in our own strength we can't do it and it's God's strength that we do. We have to be tested in our faith in order to know when God said it, He's going to bring it to pass. But God talking about refining people isn't limited to the New Testament. We, knock, we talk, talk about Job and the things that he went through. Job already had faith in God, but at the end of it, Job said, Woe is me, for I am undone, for before I heard of you by the hearing of the ears, but now my eyes have seen you. And just got a deeper revelation of who God was. And as he did that, and as he prayed for the the friends around him that had, asked, that had acted in many ways that weren't very friendly, that as he prayed for them, God restored, God restored Job. In Isaiah 48, beginning with verse 1, Isaiah was a prophet in Jerusalem around the time of Uzziah, Hezekiah, Manasseh, there's one more. He was, a, uh, he was a prophet in the time of four kings in Jerusalem. But it was in the year King Uzziah died that he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. But in Isaiah 48, beginning at verse 1, as he's speaking to Jerusalem, he says, Hear this, O house of Jacob, you who are called by the name of Israel, who have come forth from the wellspring of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth or righteousness. You're calling upon the name of the Lord, but you're not living for the Lord. 
You're doing things your own way, not in truth and righteousness. For they call themselves the holy city and lean on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. I have declared the former things from the beginning. They went forth from my mouth and I caused them to hear it. Surely I did them and they came to pass. Because I knew that you were obstinate, that your neck was like an iron sinew and your brow bronze. Even from the beginning I declared it to you. Before it came to pass, I proclaimed it to you, lest you should say, My idol has done them, and my carved image and my molded image have commanded them. Stop right there for just a minute. God, talking to the house of Israel, says, I've declared these things. I've let let you know they were going to come to pass. And you claim to follow me, but you don't. You, you, you grab onto the name of the God of Jacob, the, the, the God of Israel, but you don't do it in righteousness. And he said, I knew you were stubborn and I knew you were obstinate, but I did these things and I declared it ahead of time so that you wouldn't able to be able to point to your idol. You wouldn't be able to point to some other cause. You would know that I'm the one who did it. God said, I have declared these things in front of you that you might see it. Verse 6, you have heard, see all this, you have heard, see all this, and, and will you not declare it? For I have made you to hear new things from this time, even hidden things that you did not know them, to, that you did not know them. They are created now and, and not from the beginning, and before this day you have not heard of them. In other words, God said, I'm doing a new thing. Lest you should say, of course I knew them. Surely you did not hear, surely you did not know. Surely from a long time ago your ear was not opened, for I knew that you would deal very treacherously. You were a transgressor from the womb, and for my name's sake I defer my anger, and for my praise I will restrain it from you, so that I do not cut you off. Stop right there for just a minute. Talk, still talking to the house of Israel, talking about how they've been stubborn, and God has been trying to reach them over and over and over again. He's declared things, and he's brought them to pass, and they've done new things that had never been done before, so that they couldn't say, oh yeah, I knew all about that. Trying to get their attention, trying to draw them close. He said, but I knew you were obstinate, I knew you were stubborn, I knew you would deal treacherously. But God loved Israel. God has been reaching out to Israel. God has given Israel as an example for all of us to live righteously. You know, when we look back at the scripture and we see how, you know, back in Judges, and God sent them a deliverer, and they served the Lord, and then the deliverer died, and they forgot about the Lord, and they went back to doing what God had had to deliver them from the first, and back and forth and on and on and on. And in our own life, we can see that. But in verse 10, where God has laid all this stuff out to them, in verse 10 he says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake I will do it. For how should my name be profaned? For I will not give my glory to another. God said, I have brought you through. I have tested you. I have tried you. I put you through the furnace of affliction that you turn back to me because I'm not going to share my glory with another. And God's done that over and over and over and over again in the history of Israel. And He's done that over and over and over again in the history of Andrew. As I get stubborn, as I forget, as I go about my own ways, as I, as I, as I get... I did turn that on. 
do that sometimes. I forget, I get on the roll and forget where I'm going. I, I remember where I've gone. I just forgot that I had uh, started the recorder. So for those of you listening online, you, know, you, you missed my red face and you should have been here. Praise God. God said, I do this for my own sake. As God brings us through, as God refines us, realize he's doing it for his own sake. How can we be a living testimony of the greatness of God if God doesn't show himself great in our lives and we give praise for it? What has God done in our lives? What has God brought us through? I don't know about you, he's brought me through quite a lot. My faith has been refined in so many different ways. I have absolutely no problem believing God can heal anybody. Because I've seen some pretty amazing things. I have no, no problem at all believing that God can set the captives free. Because I've been a captive who was set free. Not just emotionally, not just, you know, I mean, physically, in a prison, in a foreign country. And God set me free. I know He can do anything. And I give praise and my faith is strengthened in that. Now, believing God does great things through me, sometimes that's kind of harder because I know how messed up I am. But I know that God is wonderful and He's doing wondrous things. First Peter 1, beginning with verse 3. So I started, started back in Isaiah where God's showing the, the people of Israel and showing all of us that he knew their wickedness, but he reached out and he did great things on their behalf anyway. And he did it in such a way that they couldn't give credit to anyone else. He refined them. He brought them through the furnace of affliction and delivered them because he's the one who's worthy of the praise. So from there, we go to First Peter 3, 1, beginning with verse 3. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Stop right there for just a second. Paul t or Peter tells us, we are kept through, through faith, through the salvation that is to come, um, that's going to be revealed at the last time, and you rejoice even though you go through trials. You are grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith might be manifest. Trusting in God in the midst of the turmoil means we have to first be in the midst of the turmoil, and we have to know that God is, and He is the rewarder of them who diligently seek Him. That God is faithful. How do we learn that God is faithful? Well, we read about it, but we also have to experience it. Experiencing the faithfulness of God. Jesus told Thomas um, in the upper room the second time, first time Tom, Thomas wasn't there. Jesus appeared in the midst. 
And they said, and they told Thomas the Lord is with me. He said, unless I see, you know, the and put my finger in the in the, in the prints, nail prints in his hand, and put my hand on his side, I will not believe. So Jesus showed up and said, "Believe, I'm here. Go ahead." That real New English translation is not exactly word for word, but that's what he said. Go ahead. He said, you, you believe because you see, but blessed are those who believe and have not seen. And we read the scriptures and understand and, and conceive of a God who is all-powerful and who cares for us. But until we begin to actually apply it in our lives, until we begin to actually experience it in our life, we're just going by guesswork. But as we become more familiar with God, as we see his hand at work in our lives, as we recognize that he has, has worked in us, he has delivered us from bad situations, he has kept us safe uh, in the road. Do you ever drive down the road, and especially up here in winter, and you see vehicles off left and right, and you make it through? That's a coincidence, right? Or do we trust and believe that God is with us? At the same time, if we're in the midst of that situation and we try to floor it, come on, God, protect me. No, Jesus warned about tempting the Lord thy God. God keeps us safe. Doesn't mean we'll never go through, never, doesn't mean we'll never be off the road. I can tell you that. But it still means when we go off the road that God is still with us. When we recognize that no matter what we're facing, God is with us, it boosts our faith. I don't know how this, you know, we don't know how a situation is going to work out. This summer, as our house sold and we had no place to go, oh, we're, we're good till, till October 20th. Now we can maybe bump it back a little bit more, bump it back into November. Bump it back, we're, we're okay. But, but however it is, I know Something's going to happen. I know God's going to open a door. We didn't go around saying, hey, can we sp spend the, the winter in your house? Hey, can we spend the winter in your house? Someone opened their house to us. They're snowbirding. They're going to be gone. Watch over it. Praise God. The blessings of the Lord overwhelm me. Because I know he is faithful and I know I don't deserve it. But God continues to work in, in each and every one of us to show himself mighty on our behalf. Where am I at? Verse 8. No, let's go back to verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. By whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do see him, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You have faith that the God who declared it will bring it to pass. The faith that. that Jesus on the cross saying, it is finished. It's a finished work of God for salvation for me and for you. And God demonstrates that. He demonstrates his faithfulness in other ways. It, Jesus is preaching in a house. And there's a huge, huge crowd of people. They're all gathered around and Jesus is preaching. And there's this guy 
He's sick. He's an invalid. He's on a bed. He cannot get up. And his four friends try to bring him to Jesus and they can't get to him because there are so many people around. And they climb up on the roof and they tear open the roof and they lower this guy's pallet in front of Jesus. And Jesus looks at him, seeing him, says, Be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. Like, that's not what he asked. Jesus said, Be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and Pharisees around said, Who is this that claims to be able to forgive sin? And Jesus said, So that you will know that the Son of Man has power on earth. Well, first off, which is easier to say, Thy sins are forgiven, or rise, take up thy bed, and walk? But, so you will know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, Son, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately he got up. God demonstrates his ability, demonstrates his faithfulness for salvation by the things he did in that situation, by the things he's done in our life. As our our faith is tested and found and strengthened, and, and we are found to be faithful to God, with the things that he's done, where God has been faithful to us, God has delivered us from our transgressions, he's delivered us from our circumstances, he shows himself mighty in different ways, he's also demonstrating he is faithful to keep that promise as well, this promise of salvation, the promise of deliverance, the promise of eternal life. He's declared all of those things. As our faith is tested, and our faith must be tested to grow, any muscle has to be exercised in order to be strengthened. Our faith has to be exercised. It has to be tested. And as we trust trust in God, as we stand in faith, that God uses that not only to strengthen our faith in that area, but to strengthen our faith in all areas. That we serve a God who is faithful, a God who has declared the end from the beginning, who will not be defeated in anything, a God who is victorious, a God who is omnipotent, who is omnipresent, who is omniscient. He's all-powerful, he's everywhere, and he knows everything. Praise God. Psalm 66, beginning with verse 8. says, O bless our God, you peoples, and make the voice of his praise to be heard, who keeps our soul among the living and does not allow our feet to be moved. For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You have brought us into the net. You have laid affliction on our back. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. I will go into your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth have spoken when I was in trouble. God, you've been faithful, and your faithfulness calls calls me to be more faithful. Everything that I've gone through, all the difficulties, all the turmoil, um, you've laid affliction on our back, you've caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. Lord, we've gone through difficult times, and you have brought us through it. You brought me through it. You brought each of, each of us, Lord, have testimonies of what you brought us through as you've refined our faith, as you brought us and tested us. Yet I will offer you burnt sacrifices of fat 
or I will, I will offer you burnt sacrifices of fat animals. With the sweet aroma of rams, I will offer bulls and goats, Selah. So the psalmist is talking about the, bringing the praise, bringing the sacrifice, which was part of the, uh, part of the law, actually part of the covenant at the time. But giving a praise and bringing thanks and, and, and doing what God has called us to do, being the light, being the, the, uh, uh, the witness, being faithful in serving Him. Verse 16, Come and hear all you who fear God. For I will declare what God has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and he was extolled by my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Giving praise to God, giving thanks to God, giving testimony for what God has done. Come and listen. Let me tell you what great things the Lord has done for me. God has been faithful. He has tested my faith. He has, tri- he has tried me. He has brought me through. He has been faithful in every aspect of my life. And I come to give praise and to give thanks. The psalmist says, I'll bring the sacrifice. But he also he says to the people, let me tell you what God has done. God has been faithful in my life. Our, our, we have this refined faith. Our faith is being refined by the things that we go through. But as we go through it, we recognize that God is faithful. And God continues to draw us, continues to teach us, continues to lead us. James 1, beginning with verse 2. One of those things you're like, well, really? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into, into various trials. Do we do that? Oh boy, another opportunity for God to come through. Uh, Not so much. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Hear people say, never pray for patience because you get the testing, you get the trials. Gotta pray for patience. But let patience have its perfect work in you that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It's kind of scary that you can't be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, until we get the patience that comes by the trials. We can't reach that point of, oh yeah, we're all good, without having gone through. You can't, I said earlier, you can't have the faith to move mountains if you never face a mountain. You can't have the the faith to face a giant if you never face giants. We need God in our lives. Verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, letting him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, that, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of sea driven and tossed by the wind. And let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is, he is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. So when we ask for God, ask God to take care of a situation, we should believe and trust that He's going to take care of the situation. Not give Him options. Well, God, you can do it this way or this way or this way. Or maybe this way over here. Or No. 
Father, I don't know the answers. I just know that you're in control. I know that you love me. I know that you are at work in my life. And I know that you are the one who's going to guide me through it. Or if that doesn't work, uh, I guess I can take another job and try to do things my own way. But I need God's way. I need God in my life. Many years ago, 95, I was at the Pentecostal campground in Ashland, Virginia, and it was time to go. And I knew God was very, God made it very clear he was sending me to Atlanta. He'd brought people up to for me to meet, had contact. So I knew where I was going in Atlanta. But it's at the end of the season and the campground's closing, and I've got to go. Don't know how I'm going to get to Atlanta. So I said, Lord, I believe you're sending me there. It's all lined up. It's... You've, you've opened doors and you've made ways. It's time to leave the campground. It's time to go. I know you will either make the provision for me to go, or you'll give me the strength to walk. Either way is fine, but it's time to go. Not ten minutes later, somebody came up to me and handed me $100. Ties, offerings, bus fare, and something to eat, and I was in Atlanta. Because I knew God was sending me there. I knew it was up to him to make the way. And either of those ways would have been fine. Might have been kind of funny looking, walking from Ashland, Virginia to Atlanta, Georgia. It would have taken me a couple of days. Probably would have taken me more than a couple of days. But that's I was ready to go. Because I knew God had opened the door. I knew God was making the way. I knew God was directing me. And however he wanted to do it was fine. I could have said, or whatever way you got coming up, Lord, you could even have somebody say, hey, we're driving to Atlanta, you want to ride? Didn't think about that till now, all these years later. That was another option God could have used. But I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that the God who loved me, who'd brought me through everything I'd gone through at that point, who will never leave me nor forsake me, was able to make the way. When it came time to come up here, and actually, I wasn't coming to, to Alberg, Vermont. I wasn't coming to St. Albans, Vermont. I was going to Montreal. I got on the train. Train dead ends in St. Albans. St. Albans, they put you on a bus. And they take you up to the border. And I got to the Canadian border. And uh, going through customs there, going through everything. I said, how long are you going to be in Canada? I said, I don't know, a year if you'll let me. Talk to that man over there. And they questioned me for four hours before turning me around. And as I got turned around, as I got into St. Albans, which was a list of blessings even to there, but as I get into St. Albans, and I'm around St. Albans for a while, I start meeting people that it was very obvious that God was directing me and that was where I was supposed to be. One of the first people that I met was... Robert or Howard Parrish, who later turned over this church to me, who wasn't the pastor of this church when I met him. But God putting things in place. It became very obvious I was where I was supposed to be. I just wasn't where I thought I was supposed to be, but I was where I was supposed to be. As God directs our steps, sometimes we're not quite sure where we're headed, but he puts us in a direction. And as we go, as we're willing to step out in faith, he opens the doors. 
He makes the way. He closes off those wrong paths. He gives us the direction because of who He is. Final passage, First Peter or Second Peter one, beginning with verse one. Simon Peter, a bondservant of the apostle and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us, to, called us by glory and virtue, by which you have been, give, have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For, in, for if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." tells us not to be satisfied with where we are. Add to your faith virtue. Giving all diligence. Working at it. Let us continue to grow in grace. Grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Adding to your faith virtue. To virtue knowledge. To knowledge self-control. To self-control perseverance. There's that long-suffering. That patience thing. Long-suffering is patience stretched out. It's not just patience, okay, I've got 15 minutes, and no. It's stretched out. Knowing that the God who called us is faithful. Knowing that the God who loves us is at work in our lives. That no matter what comes, no matter what we face, we're never alone. We can rely upon Him. He is our strength. He is our shelter. He is our strong tower. He is our shield and our buckler. He is the one who watches over, who redeems our life from destruction. And he is the one who loves us and has called us and has a plan and purpose for our hearts and lives, a plan and purpose for us to be living witnesses, to be living testimonies, to show the faithfulness of God to this generation. Because he didn't send us to another one. He sent us to this generation. He didn't send us to another place. He sent us here. To be faithful where God has placed you. With that refined faith of knowing that the God who sees the end from the beginning has you in the palm of his hands and nothing comes into your life without having come through it. Through those hands. With his permission. And he's already said he's going to cause all things to work together for good. To them who love him. To them who are the called according to his purpose. That even the hardships and difficulties and turmoils and issues we face in our lives... God has a plan and purpose to use that to bring good, to use that to bring life, to use that to bring hope. Because there's people around us who need to know that there is a God in heaven who sees. There is a God in heaven who is faithful. There is a God in heaven who loves them. Praise God. Father, we thank you. We do thank you, Father, for the testing and trials of our faith. Lord, the different things that we've gone through that have just revealed that we can trust you. Reveal that you are faithful, Lord. And we can stand in the knowledge 
that you are at work. Even when we don't understand the circumstances, even when we don't understand what's going on around us, even when nothing seems to make sense, we know that we don't have the full picture. And you do. And we can rely upon you and trust in you. And know, Lord, that you will guide our steps, that you will direct us. Lord, your word says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his ways. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his mighty hand. Lord, even when we fall, you're the one who picks us up. And you're the one who directs our steps and you're the one who guides us and you're the one who leads us. And we have that faith and that confidence, that knowledge, Father, of who you are. And we give praise, Father. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit glbcdt.org.